Today, we speak with a man who is responsible for financially uplifting over 600,000 Canadians, all while helping these Canadians pay off over $500 million in debt. Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name's Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F-Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances does not need to be the most hated F word. My guest today is Scott Hanna, the CEO and president of the Credit Counseling Society. Scott is a true servant leader. Over the last 24 years, he has dedicated his life to uplifting consumers from financial difficulties. This conversation was inspiring. It touched my soul. You'll hear how Scott seeks to help their clients build courage, not only to take control of their financial lives, but also their well-being as a whole. Scott makes a difference by gifting people hope and courage. I'm sure you'll find this an incredibly inspiring conversation, as I certainly did. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Most Hated F Word Podcast. Today, our guest is Scott Hanna. I've got a bio here that I would like to explain to you, listeners, who Scott Hanna is, if you are not sure. In Scott's words, he has had the honor of leading the Credit Counseling Society since its inception in 1996. In that time, The society has grown from helping 500 clients in its first year to providing assistance through education, counseling, debt repayment solution to tens of thousands of Canadians each year, which I do believe now the Credit Counseling Society has helped over 600,000 Canadians since its inception. And Scott, you can correct me here or maybe just jump in. And how much debt have you guys been able to repay since your inception? And we've helped our clients uh, by restructuring their debts, repay over half a billion dollars and growing by about 50, 60 million dollars a year now. Wow. And so Zoom cut out right when you said about half a billion, you said, right? It's about half a billion dollars half a billion. Um, since our inception and growing by 50 to 60 million dollars a year now. It's, um, it's incredible when you stand back and look at it from our, our initial first few days. But uh, we've had an impact, a good impact on society. You certainly have. And I want to get into that and um, just finish this last piece on the bio. So through Scott's unique experience and working Canadian credit counseling landscape, Scott has become a recognized expert with keen industry insights. He is a passionate, engaging keynote speaker and is regularly sought after by the media for comments about personal finance topics. Scott was also awarded an honorary doctorate from the University of Canada West for his work and expertise. So Scott, I am delighted to have you on the show. And I I really want to dive into the impactful work that you and your organization have been has been able to do over the years. But before we get into that, on the show, we talk a lot about our stories and our stories are kind of not kind of there are I guess our script in terms of how we live our life. And we often talk about, we all have a money story. If you could think back to before you started this wonderful organization, um, maybe when you're a younger individual, what was the money story that was playing out in Scott's life that helped him, I guess, 
open up this wonderful organization? Well, I think it's, it really goes back to really having an understanding about how impactful, both in a positive and negative way, that money can be on a person. You know, as a, as a boy, I remember, I remember it was yesterday, when I was 10, I used to get allowance of 25 cents a week. <laughs> and the deal was I could spend 15 of it, but 10 cents had to be saved. And one, and one weekend, a friend of mine talked me into spending the whole thing. I didn't get an allowance the next weekend. You know, lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then going and then fast forwarding to seeing friends who had struggled over the years making bad money decisions, not thinking about what if I don't have the money to pay for this new vehicle that I've just bought and the trauma it brought down on them and their families. It really helped shape me in terms of saying, you know, moving away from, from working in that in the financial services industry, we were there to maximize shareholder shareholder profit to how can I help people? make a difference in their lives, add value. And I think it's important that, um, you know, all of us are striving to do meaningful work. I had to find something that lined up with my values of, you know, living within your means, um, <clears throat> helping others. It's important to do so. Uh, and so it, it just seemed that when I was ready and, and willing to look for something that lined up with who I am, what I wanted to do, this opportunity came, came upon me. So it, it was just the right fit at the right time for me. Wow. Yeah. And you know, everything I read about you in our prior discussion last week, I just hear impact resonate through your entire soul. Uh, And over the last 20 plus years, you can see it through those numbers. Maybe just speak to us about half a billion dollars of debt repaid. That's amazing. Can you just explain like, how does your organization do that? And, and what is your, uh, your guiding principles? I know you have a certain one around giving hope. So why don't we touch on those? Is how are you providing hope? And as a result, how do you help repay half a billion dollars in debt? Well, it's, it starts with the consumer who has the, the courage to reach out to us. And, mm. and we admire people who take that initial step because it's hard to talk about money and debt especially when you're having financial difficulties. So to reach out to a, to a, a stranger, an organization, takes a lot of courage. And so the, when someone does that and we sit down with them, you know, the first thing that we do is, is let them know that um, the service is confidential. We're not sharing your information. And that we're not here to judge you. We're here to help you. Mm-hmm. And by really what we do is we kind of add clarity to the individual circumstances we're not living in their moment, but we're there to help them with the moment that they're living in. And certainly looking at their situation, we're able to outline possible options for them, options where they didn't see available to them before. It's that hope saying that, yes, you're in financial difficulty today, but we're going to get you through this. It's just a matter of finding the right solution that fits you in your circumstances. And there aren't any good or bad solutions. There's just different solutions that have different impacts and outcomes. You have to decide what's right for you, and we'll help you get there. So by taking that weight off a person's shoulders, it really makes allows them to see with more clarity, lightens their step. And it's just amazing how often we see people coming into, back when they were coming into our offices, um, under a lot of stress. And then within an hour of meeting uh, with a client, leaving the office with a smile on their face because they had some direction. Maybe they had some homework to do still, some decisions to make, 
but at least they had a course of action now they could start on. Because for so many people, they're stopped in their tracks because of the money problems. They just don't know what to do, so they give up. So we we take that off them and provide that help and assistance. And so when you have someone who's working beside you, not uh, <clears throat> not against you, it makes a huge difference in terms of their attitude and gives them that ability to look at things in a different light and to go forward and to build that courage within them and get them a course of action that's clear, not difficult to follow. It, um, it gives up, and that's what consumers, you know, many people are lacking because they're having financial difficulties. They don't want to talk to anybody about it because they're so embarrassed. They don't want to talk to friends or family. It's like we talked uh, last week, you know, what everyone talks about the killing they made in the stock market, but no one wants to talk about how the stock market killed them. Mm-hmm. The stock market has killed a lot of people mm-hmm. because they made inappropriate investments, made some bad decisions, and they don't want to talk about it. And you need to learn from that. And mm-hmm. it's one of the best things we can do as parents for our kids is talk about money. Talk about the, the own challenges we made, some steps, some missteps we, we made because you know, money isn't part of our, our DNA code. <laughs> it's something we learn. And for, for some people, you learn by mistakes. And uh, so often nowadays, uh, Sean, that you know, parents are we're the helicopter generation. We want to protect our kids. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to let your kids make mistakes with money. Because they have to have that, those mistakes you know, with, you know, with $20 or $100, so they don't make it with $10,000 or $100,000. And that's what we see time and time again, that uh, unless you learn those lessons, you're going to repeat them. And they have bigger impact as we get older. Yeah, you know, Scott, there's, there's a, a lot of things you said in there, which, again, just speaks... I feel to your character and why this organization has been able to help so many people. But when you said they just want someone to work beside them, that really spoke to me because I feel like often in this financial services industry, people don't feel like there's someone sitting beside them wanting to work with them. It's, uh, oh, here's the rules. Here's here, you know, your credit score is two points down. You can't get this mortgage or you can't get this. You can't do this. And I, I just often hear there's just a lot of tension, uh, lack of transparency and, I love your perspective of working beside them and then building the courage. Your words were build courage in them. And what, what, maybe take us back to where, where does this philosophy come from? Because I mean, I, I, I do a lot of reading in the financial services industry and I don't hear these words being spoken very often, build the courage inside them, give hope, uh, sit beside them. What I guess, Scott, what has kept you so grounded to, your passions, your belief after 20 years. And, you know, this is actually reminds me of a, a quote that I actually pulled out for this, for this episode by um, Ryan Holiday. He has a book called The Ego is the Enemy. And basically it talks about the ego in ourselves often. Um, it, it leads us to our own destruction or it leads us to our business to destruct because our ego gets the better of us. Where he says, uh, in his words, the ego is this unhealthy belief in our own importance. So our own importance, um, which leads to that destruction. Where he compares it with purpose is about pursuing something outside of yourself as opposed to pleasuring yourself. And I feel like when I hear your story, your uh, impact, you certainly aren't focused on the importance of Scott rather than people you serve. So this is a kind of a long question, but how do you stay so focused on your goal from 20 years ago without all these external things coming in, success, growing, having over a hundred employees? How do you stay so focused on your impact? 
Well, you know, it's it's humility. I look at the the steps that have been walked by our clients in difficult situations, the tough decisions they've had to make, the changes. It just it just gives me the motivation to continue on, never losing sight of the fact of why we're here. We're here for the clients who who are experiencing financial difficulties, want to do the right thing, just don't know how, and are prepared to make some difficult choices to get there. You know, I, I recall a client of ours going, going back a long time, not go, um, a single mother with four kids who didn't have a lot of debt, but wanted to pay it off, wanted to demonstrate to her kids that uh, even in her circumstances, she could be responsible. And, you know, at first I thought this client really should go bankrupt because she needed every dollar going into her household uh, living expenses. But she was able to show me uh, the changes she could make from, you know, avoiding processed food altogether. She'd make everything uh, by hand herself to reduce her cost, to canning, everything, to saving money on, on using her car sparingly. I thought, my God, I, you know, I'm so lucky to know this person, the character of this woman, that I have to help her and, and did. And even though her creditors were unsure if, if uh, she could carry us through, I said, we'll get her through. And she had a couple of stumbles along the way, but she got through. Hmm. And it's clients like this that we see each and every day are making hard decisions, sacrifices. It's, um, you know, I'm, I admire them. And so it, it's, it's really easy to, to respect consumers, people, and their families, the decisions they make in order to be responsible. And that's the thing that you learn along the way that most of us are really responsible individuals. Yes, we may not have the knowledge of a know-how, know-how but we want to do the right thing deep inside of us. Mm-hmm. We just need help getting there and clarity. And so it's a, it's a real joy when you have a client like that. He says, I just need help, but I want to, I want to do, I'm prepared to do the heavy lifting and we're prepared to help them with that lifting. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's always, it's kept me grounded from day one in terms of this. And uh, um, which is why if you were to come into my office, Sean, you would see that I'm the president and CEO, but I don't have an, a window out, outside. That's for my staff. I get mm-hmm. out enough. So I have a window that overlooks some cubicles, <laughs> that's but that's not, that's not important. And for, uh-huh. and I've always had the view that um, I'm not important in the client's eyes. What's important for the client is the first person they speak with that helps them to listen to their situation. And then the next person that helps them to walk them through their counselor. Mm-hmm. Me, I just serve a role to as support and to keep, keep the financial services industry clearly understanding of what we do, how we do it, and that the, the high responsibility levels that we see within our clients, they are not account numbers, they are people. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, they are people, people with their own stories who mm-hmm. have their own dialogue of I can't do this, or maybe I can do this, or the financial stress that goes along with having money because money creates a lot of stress. It impacts everything in our lives. And to be able to provide them with what I really, you guys do such a good job of is that hope, but you're providing them with um, 
kind of the self or like agency or self-control or that idea of self-efficacy where they now believe like, whoa, look what I've been able to do. I've been able to tackle this debt. I've been able to get out of debt that has been crippling me for years. And yeah, it's important to no longer have that debt, those like debt to your name. But I don't know if you could speak to clients that you've been able to see who've been able to just excel because yeah, you gave them that debt going down to zero, but you've also created this internal confidence that they can tackle debt or other things. Do you have any examples? Yeah, I look back, you know, on our very first client that we helped to restructure his debts. His name was Joe. And when Joe came to us, Joe was earning about $35,000 a year, had a similar amount of debt, was under a lot of stress, and didn't know what he was going to do to resolve the situation. We were able to work it through with him, reorganize his debts, provide him with a monthly payment that, that fit his budget so he could stop worrying about his debt. And I remember checking in with Joe a few months later. He'd, he'd been making his monthly deposits just to find out, how are things going? Mm-hmm. And he was saying, great, I no longer have a debt problem. I'm thinking, well, to myself, you're still over $30,000, so there's still a bit of a problem there. But without saying that to Joe, he was able to outline me. He says, you know, Scott, I don't have a debt problem. I have a debt solution. And as long as I make my monthly deposit, my debts are going away. So I've stopped focusing on my debts. And I'm focusing on Joe. And as a, you know, as a result of that, that shift in his mind, Joe was able to pay off his program early. And at the end of it, Joe went from earning $35,000 a year to over $120,000 a year because he now put all of his time and energy into positive things and building his career mm. and uh, left us in a much better um, headspace and certainly had regained financial well-being and for a lot of people, it's those things, maybe not to that same, that same degree, but when you take that weight off their shoulders permanently, mm. and now they're in a position to, to make decisions, because for a lot of people, you know, money and debt are in control of individuals, and we give people back control. We help them understand that you're in control of your, of your money. You're the one who gets to make the decisions as to how you're going to spend your money. And really, if, if you're keen and want to save for the future, then you've got to put your savings at the, top of your, at the top of your budget, top of your paycheck. You work hard for your money. Your money should work hard for you. Don't let it dwindle away. So we're able to shift people's mindset and saying, let's focus on what's important to you. Who cares if you don't have the nicest car in the neighborhood? You know, as my, as my younger son once said to me when he was 16, um, he says, Dad, why don't you have a Porsche? And it's because one of his friends, whose father was uh, a partner in a national law firm, had just bought a, a used Aston Martin. My son mm-hmm. thought, well, I should have a Porsche too. And after outlining the impact of the Porsche on, on his life in terms of no more vacations, no more this, a lot of the extras, he was able to understand that maybe a Porsche wasn't that important after all. And really that, um, you know, having, having a vehicle that goes from point A and point B is the top priority, but really being able to look after family is more important. And so it's mm-hmm. putting that kind of perspective into our clients' eyes and vision saying, I'm more calm the fact that I am in control of my money. I can sleep better at night now, as opposed to having the nicest car in the neighborhood. It's just a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that uh, humans we love control and providing that that control, giving them their power back to be able to make that decision. I think is just such a wonderful gift. Um, and and uh, I could just imagine yourself, the counselors, your employees have these stories so often. And uh, yeah, just such good work that you guys are doing. Um, I read an article that you talked about, um, I think a couple of weeks ago, late uh, 2020, but it just talked about things that Canadians can do in terms of around their budgeting. And one of the things was uh, you need a plan to deal with uncertainty. And I, I, I picked this one out intentionally because COVID, uh, there's a big uncertainty. You guys see uncertainties all the time from different client stories. But it also made me think of this book called Scarcity. And in this book, Scarcity, two Harvard uh, behavioral econom- economists wrote it. But they talk about how a scarcity mindset um, and they, they re- re- related around money and time. And they talk about having like a little time or little money has a profound effect on our just cognitive behavior to be able to just make decisions. And I want to read this quote and because I think it's going to fit in well with what you guys see and how you alleviate people from that um, cognitive overload. But the quote says, it's easy to confuse a mind lo- loaded by scarcity for one that is inherently less capable. We are empathetically not saying that poor people have less bandwidth, quite the opposite. We're saying that all people, if they were poor, would have less effective bandwidth. So what they're saying is like, when we don't have a, like our money in control, when we have lots of debts, so to speak, when we have a lot of expenses that we don't have under control, our brain actually just starts having less bandwidth to make rational decisions. Um, through your work or your experience, what benefits do you see in having this plan that deals with uncertainty to basically help avoid this scarcity mindset or this lack of bandwidth to deal with the ups and flows of our financial lives? Well, life events have been happening since the beginning of life mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we'll continue to, uh, to do so. So we're going through a pandemic right now that's lasting a lot longer than we want, but it'll be something else next. Mm-hmm. And so we have to prepare for that, saying that it's in all, in all likelihood, we're going to experience a few more of these in our lifetime. So how do we want to deal with them? Do we want to be react to these or proactive? It's like when we had the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. You know, in many ways, it was too short, Sean, here in Canada. Because we had the initial panic, and then things got a lot better. And we went back to our old habits of piling up debt. Mm-hmm. And by comparison, in the U.S., things did not get better. Things were bad for a long time. But when the smoke finally cleared, the amount of debt that Americans had in relation to the gross annual income was about 136% of their annual income. Up here in Canada, we were up to 175% of our, of our annual in- mm. income. And prior to the, to the financial crisis, the U.S. was sitting at about 140%. We had about 115 so we didn't learn from this process. We went the exact opposite way. And now we're in this pandemic and people are panicking again. And it's and when things happen is that it paralyzes people and they don't do anything as a result of this. And so here we try and, and stop that that paralysis by saying, hey, let's talk about let's not talk about what you can't do. Let's talk about what you can do. 
Because when you focus on what you can do, it builds confidence, your ability, it, it builds resilience to deal with things. And so we talk about how do we need to get there? And so for us, we know that, that um, when a person is experiencing a life event, that having money in the bank, not a line of credit to access, but money in the bank is the one thing that gives us a lot of confidence. So whether you've, you have a relatively modest income or a higher income, your lifestyle will be adjusted depending upon what your income was. And so if you had a modest income, maybe six months worth of living expenses is $12,000. And for someone earning $100,000, well, it's not too much money. But if you're earning $30,000, that's, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so we break it down for the individual saying that, okay, how much could we set aside each paycheck in savings? Not savings to access, mm-hmm. savings for life events and emergencies only. And we've got to put them in a place that you can't access with your ATM card. And so we focus on that and we get them. So let's, let's work towards your first thousand dollars. And it's, we tell them it doesn't matter if it takes you six years to set aside six months of living expenses. The point is you're on a journey to get there. If you never start, you'll never get there. So let's just, and let's start with a very modest amount because we know you can, you can exceed that as opposed to let's set the bar really high, set the bar low, surpass it, build some confidence, set a little higher. When unexpected money comes away, let's add to it because it'll get you there quicker. And that builds a, a lot of confidence for individuals. Individuals that we see at times who come to us who are, who are in a job that they absolutely hate, but a job they can't leave because they don't have any financial reserves and, they got, and they've got debt. I can't tell you how many thousands, tens of thousands of people who've come to us initially, we resolve their affairs, and they've gone on to do work that they value and love. Mm-hmm. Even if it pays less money, mm. it's work that has meaning to them. I think that's so important that uh, when we look at helping individuals, it's not just about helping them resolve their debt. It's about helping them regain financial well-being, adding value to that, because that's sustainable, and really mm. adding clarity to individuals. You know, everyone's vision of retirement is different. But um, you know, if I had to look at what's important for a person's retirement, it would be good health, love, friendship, and having sufficient money to maintain a reasonable standard of living. But it's not the fact that you have to have, you know, big, huge worldwide trips, all the nice things. It's, that doesn't matter. You know, when you see people go through some serious health issues, you change your perspective on what's important. You know, having seen my own dad who, um, had some serious health issues and uh, passed away while, while I was a teenager. It left a profound impact on me in terms of what's important in life. Mm. It's not the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I feel like your three areas of health, love, and some money should be the cornerstone of a financial plan but I've yet to see a financial plan that includes how do you get, find love and health and retirement. But the, if we don't have those, what's the point of having all this money? You make such good points. Um, you, you make me think of something else. I've heard people say, whether it's around resilience or reframing, 
people saying like, well, it's hard for me to become resilient when I've never had a major setback. Or like you, you mentioned with your father passing uh, at a young age, that helped you reframe things differently. How do you think regular consumers who maybe haven't had uh, a traumatic event or big life event, how, how do you think these individuals could start reframing to th- see things different? I think it'd be important for them <clears throat> to really question their values, what's important to me. So many of us just go through each day, each year, without a lot of thought in terms of what can I do and until something happens to them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's important that um, build up their build up their skill sets. Because too many of us are walking around saying, you know, I, I hope I don't lose my job because I'd have a hard time replacing it. So what can I do? I should probably upgrade my skills. Mm-hmm. What can I do differently now in terms of how I'm, I'm utilizing money to help? What differences can I make in other people's lives? How many of us are actually helping others in their community mm-hmm. in terms of they happen to have those experiences themselves? I tell you, you go through and, and uh, walk in another person's shoes who's had some real, real tough times. It's a humbling experience but it helps you reset what's important in life and builds that saying, this could happen to me. You know, I recall um, when my boys were young and feeling a bit entitled and taking them for a little trip down to the um, downtown east side of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It was an eye-opening experience for them. And I, the comment I meant to them, they were someone's son and daughter. Mm. And look where they are today. It can happen. Doesn't mean they're bad people. Just life happens sometimes. And it can happen to anyone. And so you need to be you need to understand that, that uh, people can go from being okay to going into a tailspin in a relatively short period of time. We've certainly seen people who've suffered through divorce and um, lose everything and then uh, incur a you know, high degree of mental stress and illness as a result. It happens. So it's it's important that you put those things in perspective and saying, okay, I can I can I can be thankful that it hasn't happened to me yet. Mm. But there's a chance that life will life will bite me when I least expect it. Mm-hmm. And I need to prepare for it. So what can I do to prepare? And perhaps for a lot of people, it's like with health issues. Well, if, if you're not in good shape, get in good shape. It's not easy. But it's a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like with the, uh, you know, marriages. A good marriage isn't easy. It's mm-hmm. hard, mm-hmm. but it's good work. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the same thing with getting in shape. It's not easy, but the benefits are incredible if you do. Mm-hmm. And so it's really but having a realistic plan. What's reasonable? You know, and, and so for a lot of times we talk to people about their financial fitness and equate it to, you know, physical fitness. If you're 50 pounds overweight and it's taken you 30 years to get to 50 pounds overweight, not a shape, you are not going to lose it within three months. You've got to start with what's a, what's a healthy lifestyle that I can maintain? What's important to me? How do I want to achieve this? What do I want to get down to? It's the same thing with your finances. What's important to me? Good night's sleep is great. Being able to uh, afford the things that I need versus the things that I want I have the resources for that and being able to start saving for my future, recognizing that um, 
things change. Our views change dramatically. My views as a just turned 63 year old are a lot different than what they were when I was a 23 year old. I can tell you. <laughs> and so you've got to you've got to adjust and reset uh, all the time and regular basis. It, is this still aligned, still lining up for me or not? And make changes. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, but always doing it from the perspective of you know the bigger end game with mm-hmm. what's in, what's important to you as opposed to the stuff that you want. It's, mm-hmm. um, for so many of us, we are what we own. And that's just such a little part of it. It doesn't make us a good person or a better person. It just means it, it makes us a person with stuff. Mm-hmm. And lots of times stuff is cluttering. So keep it simple. It clutters and it breaks and it goes away and then you need to replace it. And, you know, I really like your perspective on the values and like taking some time to reflect on what are my values. And I think a lot of times that's where discomfort comes from is when we're, we're not in line or in alignment with our values. So we try to buy the whatever thing to make us feel happy and we get that short dopamine boost, but then we go back to um, needing more because our values are misaligned. And you spoke to that earlier. You talked about how clients who come to see you guys might come in with a higher paying job, but once they've been able to go through your process, recognize their values more, they take a lower, not all cases, but they take a lower paying job that aligns with your values. And um, I think that's a huge, huge thing for everyone is, um, really spending time to recognize what are our values and if it's giving service in whichever way, it's finding a way to do that because, I mean, I see it to you. You said just turned 63 and you still have so much energy about what you're doing. And obviously this aligns with your values and we could see that through the values of your company. And I think that's so impressive that often we see businesses businesses have the values across our pace all over the wall empathy, compassion, whatever you have it. Um, but often if you took a camera and followed people around, especially the the CEO or president, you might not see those values being aligned. And I could really feel that with you is that you have some good congruency between what you value and what you actually do. And I think that's just so impressive. And I like how you work with your um, your clients on that. And like you've said, that helps them deal with the difficult times. Now, Scott, my next question is, is is around businesses and in this idea of values and living living within your values, especially around the financial literacy, the financial health of employees. And you know, before this, I I, I before our conversation, I looked up in an old textbook the definition of a business business, which I want to read here. The primary purpose of a business or organization is to maximize profits while providing a good and service. Hearing that makes me wince quite a bit to maximize profits. Doesn't say anything about the people, doesn't say anything about the clients, just to maximize our profits. And I think for for many people, like the existence of the corporation was to maximize profits. But I hear you talk about values. I see your organization and the impact that you have to the people and like your clients and the employees. Uh, I, I have a, employees as well. And I just think business owners have such a responsibility to be more empathetic to their employees. These employees who are giving us 40, 45, whatever, how many hours a week of their time, arguably the best time of their day that they organize their entire day around to give us the, those times. 
But often I feel like businesses aren't taking this seriously. And I know that being a business owner is hard. You've got expenses and things like that. But I don't feel like all the time we're taking care of our employees to the best we can, considering they're giving us so much of their time. Everything revolves around work. And I know you talked about an article that I read about the invisible effects of financial stress in the workplace. Can you just touch on what, if you want to touch on your perspective, this is a personal thing on like business owners and companies, the responsibility to provide some financial wellness, some financial well-being services to the employees, feel free. If not, from, from an employee's perspective, what kind of stress are employees feeling at work, at home, and how is that showing up to the workplace? Well, especially, uh, Sean, during this pandemic, mm-hmm. the stress levels amongst employees has skyrocketed. As a matter of fact, we, um, we had all of our uh, leadership team go through a uh, mental health certification last November, mm-hmm. just recognizing that all our clients, our employees, were experiencing a lot of additional stress because the reality was they didn't know if, is our organization going to be able to sustain this? If so, for how long would there be layoffs? And, you know, I'm so pleased that um, um, we've been able to weather the storm through the pandemic without laying anyone off or touching anyone's salary. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of businesses, that's the first thing they did. Mm -hmm. And as well, we we didn't apply for government uh, benefits. Mm -hmm. We didn't need to. Um, And so I find that with when people are under that stress, what it does, it impacts the, 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 their work, the quality of the work, the quantity of their work. Because when you've got money issues or potential money issues because you lose your job, you're not focused on it one hour a day or during your coffee breaks. You're focusing on it every waking moment. And it has an impact on you. And so with respect to employers, and we've had these conversations with employers because we have a, an education team that, that – um, now it's virtually goes out into the marketplace, but prior was going out into the marketplace to talk to business owners, larger employers about providing their employees with education, resources, how they can, how they can improve their overall financial um, situation. And very discreetly, if they need assistance, assistance is available and it's endorsed by their organization. And if they need time to, to during the day to talk to our organization, they'll provide it. Those organizations have highly engaged employees because it's clear they're taking care of their employees versus others that, well, we don't have time for that. It comes into the business. Mm. It's an investment in the business mm. when you invest in your employees. We do that today in terms of um, issues that come up that are important to organizations. And certainly in the past year, in addition to the pandemic, uh, Black Lives Matter. And so, you know, we, we're working with a consultant, working through those issues because they're, they're, they're important issues. It's a prickly subject, let me tell you, but you can't sweep it under the carpet. You've got to deal with it. And it's the same thing with financial difficulty. You've got to deal with it. So let's, let's help people deal with this. And so we've worked it with all levels of government, with their employees, as well as private um, industry, and to help them understand you know, it's, it's amazing that just because a person works in the financial services industry doesn't mean 
that they're in good financial shape. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you over the years how many accountants, lawyers, bankers have come here for help because they were experiencing financial difficulty. And for many people, you know, money isn't, well, it is a, it is a, uh, can impact a person depending upon their circumstances, but it's got more to do with the mind than it does the money um, in terms of how they manage it and what they do, what's important to them. Um, you know, I still recall to this day counseling a client who was a lawyer and how difficult it was for him to downsize his lifestyle because it would look like he was a failure amongst his peers versus someone who was really being responsible. And we were able to get him to shift his mindset. Wow. And that for people who've had that mindset, turn it around and say, you know what? I realized that I was more than my BMW. And that <clears throat> managing my affairs responsibly and getting rid of a lot of stuff that I don't need along with, a, along with an attitude was the right thing to do. And guess what? He got nothing but praise from his peers and friends and family. Because mm-hmm. he figured out, he figured out what was important. Right. And that's, what's, that's what um, we do really well uh, with, um, with people each and every day. But it starts with you have to have the right team. You have to support them. You have to compensate them fairly. Um, <clears throat> you have to encourage them to continue to build their skills. And here, what we do, we, we have an education benefit because we want our, our people to increase their skills, get degrees, get certifications. They'll belong to you, not to us. But then you've got a higher skill set. You're more valued. And people who have a greater sense of value in terms of their skill sets and ability to, to find employment are more comfortable at work, more confident at work, happier at work, and more engaged because they see that as the organization, we're trying to help them make them better. And we're engaging them when we're doing things that have an impact on them. And so we see the return that we get is such a high client satisfaction rating. So we, we survey our clients who come to us for assistance. And um, last year, on one of the questions of the surveys, it asked, would you recommend the services of the credit counseling to, to uh, society to others that you know? Other people who completed the survey, and about a third of our clients complete the survey, the response was 98.3% said yes. Wow. You know, there's not... There's not no. a lot of room for improvement there. And, uh, but, but, you know, our standard, Sean, is 97%. That's how important that, that one question is, that we want to meet and exceed the needs of our clients. And I know as, do our, as they were our leadership team members, is we have to meet and exceed the needs of our employees and give them the resources and stand up there. And that's why when, when we have issues time to time with the financial industry, that's when myself and other members of our leadership team have to step up and tackle those issues on behalf of our clients and our employees to hold others accountable. And, and we'll do that every day of the week because it's for all the right reasons. And really, it's just a matter of helping the financial service industry understand the bigger picture, adding clarity to the situation. Now, I recall when we were a newer organization and just getting uh, our feet under us, I was going out in the marketplace and making some presentations. And so I chose to go out and speak with uh, a collection agency. And no one's favorite friend, but they have a job to do. And, 
And so we're speaking with them and talking about the process that we go through and encouraging them to, to recommend consumers to us who aren't, who aren't able to pay their obligations. And so we talked about a person's budget. And, and I remember one person who was being a little obstinate because I outlined that, you know what, we, it's our experience that when a person's having financial difficulty, if they smoke, they smoke more. And if they drink, they drink more because they're under a whole lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, well, <clears throat> if they're going on a repayment program, want some help, I don't think they should smoke or drink. I said, really? So let, let's do a little experiment here. I said, um, I want everyone who smokes to stand up. And in that industry, a lot of people smoke. <laughs> I said, now, I said, on your children's and mother's lives, put your hand up in your heart. How many of you would stop smoking just because you had a, you had a financial difficulty? Be honest. No one sat down. Mm-hmm. I said, people aren't going to. So, but what we can do is put things in perspective, get some balance back so they're in a better position to address their situation. But that's the challenge is there's a lot of judgment out there that just because someone's experiencing financial difficulty, they now become the D word. They're a debtor. Mm-hmm. And people frown upon the word debtor. And I, I know people that are, that are in great financial shape and they're not nice people. And I know people who are having difficulty and they are great people. Mm-hmm. People who are still giving back to their communities, even though themselves are having difficulty. So money doesn't make you a good or bad person. Mm-hmm. Money, money problems can happen to anyone, anytime. We ourselves make ourselves a good or bad person, depending upon who we are, decisions we make, and our attitudes. And that's, a, and that's really important. It's a message that we've been able to get through and drive through to the creditor community time and time again. And I understand the mindset because you're dealing with people having financial difficulties and they make promises to repay and then they don't repay them. And then you think the person is a bad person. Well, the reality is they just don't have an answer to tell you. And they just want you to get off the phone. So they'll tell you anything just to get you off the phone. As opposed to what we tell clients is tell the individual that you acknowledge you, you have no standing obligation, but you're having difficulties and you'll get back to them within a week's time as to what you can and cannot do. So please don't call me. Uh, I'll call you in a week's time. And just that one simple thing of saying, I'm going to call you. You are not going to call me. Gives you back some control. But then mm-hmm. it's important for you to live up to your commitments. Mm-hmm. And so commitments who say, give me a week, perhaps two weeks at the outside to look at my situation, make some decisions on it. And, what, and during that time, we'll go through their, their whole financial circumstances, outline some options for them. And in some cases, they can resolve it on their own with some tweaking of their budget. It may be that they, they are going to go on a repayment program through organization. Or in some cases, if they're in dire financial circumstances, bankruptcy may be their only viable option to resolve their situation. And we've always think it's important that when you look at a person's options and solutions that you have to be able to resolve your financial difficulties in a reasonable period of time while maintaining a reasonable standard of living. Mm-hmm. Everyone's circumstances are a little bit different depending upon your stage in life, your family makeup. And so as long as you keep those two things in mind, we'll be able to define what are the options that can work for me. And then we have to understand the implications of those options to say, okay, does this pass my tummy test? That if I choose this option, I'm still going to feel good about it down the road. 
because I recall years ago, Sean, I was on a, a CBC radio program and talking about different options and uh, talking about the need to be cautious before going from um, having difficulty to going bankrupt without looking at all your options. And one of the, li- of the audience listeners called in, he says, and he said, I think you're against bankruptcy. And I said, I'm not against bankruptcy, but what I'm against is making a decision that isn't well thought out and understanding the implications of it. Right. And he said to me, well, I went bankrupt 20 years ago and it was the best decision I ever made. I said, really? How come you're still talking about it today? Mm. And he hung up. Oh, yeah. It wasn't the best decision. It could have been the best decision given his circumstances, but he hadn't thought it through. Mm. He hadn't said, look, given all that I know today and what I, what I think is going to happen in the future, what can I do? Mm. What's the best way that I can be responsible so I can still hold my head up high? And you can still hold your head up high if you've gone bankrupt, if you've if you'd adhered to all the requirements. And after the fact, you've made a commitment to yourself to improve your financial skill sets, your abilities, so you never find yourself into that same degree of financial difficulty again. So there's ways that you can recover from it. But bankruptcy takes a pound of flesh um, <clears throat> with you as long as it's getting rid of your debts. It's difficult for a lot of people. Not so much today as it was perhaps 50 years ago for some, mm-hmm. but it still has a, a mental impact on us. So it's important that whatever decision we make to address our situation, we can look ourselves in the mirror saying, I acted responsibly. I did the best that I could do to resolve my situation, given my circumstances, my assets, and resources. You can move forward if you can make that, same, that statement. Wow. Oh, Scott, so much good information. I mean, I'm looking at time here and I want to respect your time. I feel like we could listen to you speak for hours. But something that I just noticed is your your ability to just be so empathetic is, is really remarkable. And, you know, from the perspective that you've shared about with clients to your employees, you really stand out to me as a, a servant leader of helping uplift other people. And, and we hear that in this conversation today, whether that's uh, clients, whether that's your staff, or even the industry in and itself, you are doing such good work that just up is uplifting everyone. So everyone that you come in contact with, um, I see we, we have three minutes left. I want to ask you a final question and I know you have a busy day. So my question is this, um, let's fast forward till you're 90 years old or whatever the age is that, uh, uh, that life is winding down. You're on the front porch in beautiful, uh, BC or somewhere where it's not minus 40, like we were talking about before in Alberta here, (laughs) uh, you're looking back at your life and you're contemplating writing a letter to your children's children about based on your years of living, what do you want to provide them? What kind of insight would you want to provide them on having this healthy relationship between our money and time? I would say to them to look at things, the perspective of value, what's important to you. And the money is just a vehicle. It's not the end. It's about the life that you want to live. That's what's important. You want to be able to reflect back on a life that said, I made a difference. It was impactful. I lived my values. I was in line. And, and, and always reflecting upon that. I think that's so important. You know, I'm going to look back and saying, I've made a difference. Uh, I've started something that's helped a lot of people. 
And that's satisfying. And that's something that no one can take away from it. And I want that for, I want that for my uh, two young men. I want that from their kids as well, too. Do meaningful work. And right now, as they're just getting their legs under them for their, their careers, I think, find something that lines up with who you are. You've got to love what you do. Mm. It can't just be a job. A job's something that it, just, it may pay the bills, but it won't satisfy you. Do something that's important. If you love, if you love your job, you won't consider it work. Mm-hmm. You look at it from the standpoint that while you like your weekends, Mondays are good days too. Mm-hmm. And today is a Monday. Mm-hmm. And Monday's a good day. <laughs> that's what you want to get to. And so I would, and, and along the way, help others. I think it's really important. Help others in your community. You have to give back. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, and everyone's short of time, but you can all give back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I recall because I'm, I'm an old soccer coach, coached soccer for 12 years, and I recalled setting up the nets one day for a Saturday game, and it was raining, and my uh, oldest son was helping. He says, Dad, how come you're always doing this? And I said, Connor, it's because I can, and others can't. And I do it for the kids, because if I don't do this, you're not playing soccer. And you love playing soccer, and so do the other kids on the team. So we need to do that. We need to have that perspective. And so by managing our affairs properly, it gives us some time and ability to do other things to help people. And helping people gives you a good feeling inside. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Scott, for sharing your perspectives, your wisdom, your insights. If people are interested, where can they find more about the the society? I know you write a, I believe it's a weekly post. Maybe you could just share some information with others. Sure. Um, they can come to... Um, one of our two websites, our main website, which is nomoredebts.org, mm-hmm. or educational site, mymoneycoach.ca. And um, uh, they can also see our weekly posts that are in the province newspaper on, um, on My Money Coach or go, or go directly to the province uh, every Monday morning. That's, uh, we're now in our 11th year of writing that uh, wow. weekly column. Wow. <laughs> That wow, 11 years every week. Nice. Uh-huh. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. I really, really, really appreciate you providing this time to myself and the audience. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks, Sean. It was a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in this week. What a great conversation with Scott. Scott is such an inspiring individual. Please head over to their site read Scott's column. It is all really, really good content. Also, if you've been enjoying these guests like Scott and the others, please head over to Apple or Spotify and leave a review. The reviews help so we can continue getting great guests like Scott. Until next time, have a great day.